Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Noble Pursuit Podcast, hosted by your boy right here, Anthony Spaden. On today's episode, I am joined by good old friend Joel Cabanero. Um, Joel and I go far back. Um, she was actually one of my first guests on my old podcast, the Ace of Spada Podcast. Um, where we discussed a lot of things around menstrual cycle and female health. And now we transition into the next phase of life for Joel that took place within the last like three or four years since we've had that recording. We discuss a lot around family. We discuss around navigating um, that with having kids, fitness and health with having kids, um, how she got through pregnancy, nutrition with pregnancy, um, supplementation, etc. that may help. Um, we also discussed just how family life has affected her um, and how much it helped her grow um, and how much her kids have helped her see a new light in life um, and be able to really kind of have an impact on her. So this is a really different episode that I've been intrigued in as my sister has three kids now um, and I am a nice uncle um, to, to them. Uh, I'm Uncle Tony. So let's get to this episode. As you guys know, the podcast is brought to you by Morphogen Nutrition. You guys can use code SPADA for 10% off all products at morphogennutrition.com. So let's waste no more time here. Let's get to the episode. Let's welcome on Joel Cabanero. isn't it funny how we like will listen to us like talk on instagram or we'll do those things but we rarely ever like go back and listen to ourselves like when like in terms of things i heard we're myself like, say uh. it the first time i don't want to hear it again <laughs> see that's how i say it but then i'm like i kind of want to know how i sound but i'm like then yeah. again i don't but it's like really funny I how just humans know- do that like how like how we how we'll always listen to somebody else but we'll yes. rarely ever listen to exactly how we'll speak and how we say I will I will occasionally listen back to like a podcast recording I did with someone because you know what happens. Like you interview someone and you're like, I blacked out. I don't even like know what I said or like know what we talked about. And so sometimes I'll listen back to myself, but I find I'm just so critical of whatever I said. Yeah. Oh, like it's always like that hindsight of 20 is 2020 where you're like, oh, I should have said this or like, oh, I, I could have worded that differently. Or like, you're just kind of picking at yourself. And I now I just don't listen anymore. Because if I go, if I went back and listened to every podcast before it even got published, I'd be like, no, this isn't good enough. No, I didn't. I didn't expand enough. No, I didn't. Like, it's just that. Oh yeah. I don't do perfectionist tendencies. I don't do any of, so I don't do any editing or anything. I just like, I fully just like go and just like release it. I create an intro and then I release it. Cause I'm just like, uh, if I go, I know I'm going to try to cut parts out and I'm like, I'm not cutting anything out. I was like, whatever is said is on the record and people will just (laughs) hold me to it. And if I, you're like, if I have a four minute long brain fart, we're all just going to sit here in silence for four (laughs) minutes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah where where someone's internet disconnects and you're only just listening to one person it's like oh i missed yeah. the whole other person's conversation <laughs> had that had that happen before i literally had it to where my whole thing got cut my, oh my like gosh. my whole audio i lost half audio. my audio yep oh no yeah. yeah that's you'd think that in 2024 we'd be nope. free of tech difficulties but nope we all run online businesses and we all are beholden to the same tech issues exactly. that everyone else is. So how is everything else going with you? I mean, it's been, everything's been, good. it's been like four years, I think. 
It literally has been, I think, it has four years. literally been almost four years. I want to say we spoke in like March of March or April ish. We That's were 2020. like 2020. Yeah. Yeah. We were like in the midst of COVID. Actually, you know what? It had to be more like it could have been May, June ish. Yeah. Somewhere between April and June. Yeah. Um, because I remember recording that podcast at my parents' house. Yes. And we were at my parents' house because Brant and I, my husband and I wanted to get out of the city because COVID had just hit. Everything yeah. was shut down. And we we're like, we need to be like in a suburb in a house because we are stuck in a one bedroom apartment <laughs> and this ain't this ain't it. Um, and so my parents went to Florida for the winter because things were like a little bit more open there or not the winter, but during the shutdowns. And we're like, we'll go take their house out in the suburbs of New York so we could have some space. But I remember recording in my mom's closet. Closet. Yes, the closet. <laughs> I like yes. needed this. I needed like <laughs> quiet and I needed a, a closed door and no dogs barking and like my husband not on calls. And so I know it was somewhere in that realm. And I remember we talked a little bit about, about like the menstrual cycle and getting my I think I had like just gotten my period back and it was yeah. like, cool. Now I like want to get it regular so that like I can get pregnant. And now here we are two babies later. So how is that? Crazy. How is, how is it now two it's babies amazing. later to kind of like you look it at that journey awesome. like over the last four years and it's like, it's, it's come fast. It's really, really cool. Yeah, man. It ha has it ever. Uh, yeah. These last few years have been a whirlwind. Um, we launched level 10 April of 2020. So like what was Joelle Samantha fitness all those years rebranded, relaunched into level 10. Now we're this big team of coaches and like somewhere in there, like had two babies, became a CEO, like also started like co-founded another business. Like it's just wild what has transpired the last few years that sometimes I'm like, is this really my life? Am I just like, is this a dream? Um, because it's just, it's, it has been a whirlwind, but in the best way. Mostly. How do you, how do you manage? I have to ask, how do you manage all that with like being a CEO, mm -hmm. running a business and also taking care of two kids? Because my sister during this time also had, she not only had her first child, she ended up having twins February of this year. And I'm like, that's like a lot in and of itself. And I'm yeah, like, I'm just like, I tried Does to she see work her. as well. What? Does she work as well? Oh yeah. She works as well. Yeah. Yeah. She works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I, I have come to the realization that being, first of all, be, being a mom in general is just hard. Like there are so many hard parts of it and it is absolutely amazing, but it is hard. And then you add also being like a full-time business owner or even just like a full-time working parent. And now it's double hard. And then you have a spouse that also works full-time and now it's triple hard. And so there is a lot of hard. And so I always crack up a little because, you know, it's not uncommon that someone will ask me like, well, how do you do it all? How do you, how do you manage two businesses and two babies? And I'm like, look, my honest response, my very brutally blunt and honest response is I cry a lot. I see a therapist and I spend a bajillion dollars a month in childcare. And that is as raw and real as it gets. Like the level of childcare that I need, um, is, a lot. I need a lot of childcare. I have one in daycare and I, so my, my toddler, my two-year-old is in daycare. Um, and the baby who is eight months old now, she is home with me, but with a nanny here at my house full time so that I can like work, 
pop down and breastfeed her, like go back to work, come back in my office, pop downstairs to nurse her, hang out with her for a few minutes and then pop back up to work. Um, and so, uh, I, I got a therapist this go around postpartum because I was like, I need all the support I could get all the mental health support I could get. Um, and so like, it's very much that old cliche saying of like, it takes a village where like, I need childcare. I have a nanny. I have daycare. I have a supportive spouse. I have a lot of family local to us who will come watch the babies if we need to, or like come watch them. If my husband and I need to get out of the house for a date night. Um, but I have a lot of help. I have a lot of help and I have a lot of support and I am not doing it alone. There is very much a village behind me. I have an assistant who I can offload tasks to for work stuff. And so, um, building a support circle postpartum and just in mothered motherhood in general has been crucial for me. And that was one of the big changes that I made from my first postpartum experience to my second postpartum experience. Once you kind of know what to expect, you're like, okay, I need to like, I need to be ready, uh, and have all of that support in place already, because it's really, really hard to ask for help when you're in it. You're like, no, I'm super mom. I should be able to do it all. And then you're burnt out and you're tired and you're exhausted and you're cranky and you're sleep deprived. And you're like, I don't want to work. It's hard to be a mom. It's hard to be a spouse. And so I feel like going into this second postpartum, I knew what to expect. And I'm like, let me start delegating and get every system that I possibly need in place so that second baby, when they come, like we are a well-oiled machine. And it really has been much better this go around in terms of establishing that well-oiled machine. Yeah. And then by the time, then, you know, there ever comes like a third child, like for my mom, it's kind of just like, ah, oh, you go and do you. It's like, you're off in the wind. It's you, you do. I Everyone saw, else takes I care saw of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you're the youngest of three. Yeah. Okay. So, so do you feel like your older siblings played a big role in like your childcare almost like in, in being the parent for you a little bit? I don't know what the age gap is, but uh, the age gap there's, there's four years between all three of us together. So my oldest okay. sister was like graduating college when I was going into college. Like we we're, we we're okay. kind of at separate phases. So Dang, your, little... your mom just like, boom, three kids yeah, under four, man. Yeah. That's me and my, me and my middle sister are 18 months apart. So we're like, yeah, we're so like that's what my close. girls are. Yeah. My, my girls are 19 months apart. So. Yeah. So I think they did. Obviously, once we got past to like, once I got to like age like six or seven, that's when my sister kind of played a bigger role because my other, my older mm. sister was 10 or is like 11, 12 at right. that time. So it's like, she can assume a little bit of responsibility though. Yeah. We just kind of just, I mean, it's fairly simple when you have, when you have three of us, it, it could be, it's a trip when you have two older sisters, but you know, for a guy, it's pretty easy. You just stick them in front of the TV and put sports on and you're fine at that time, <laughs> at that age. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm surprisingly grateful that we ended up with two girls because I mean, I have, a, I have a bunch of nephews. We were the first to have like girls in the family. We have, we had all nephews before our girls and, uh, and they're crazy. They are just a different breed boys. Little boys are a different breed of human than little girls. I'm sure of that. I uh, see. I'm the only, I'm the, I'm the only male of 13. So oh, I'm wow. like the polar opposite. So I'm like, I'm literally yeah. like the golden, the golden, like child out of everyone. <laughs> golden like, if we're child. like if we're truly being honest, we used to call my sister that we used to call my sister, my older sister, the golden child. But like looking back on it, I guess I kind of, You're am like, it's at me. this point, it's I was me. like, it is me. 
I was like, I get all the money. So it's, I get everything. I'm cool. So I just wanted to say like, when you kind of offload all that stuff, because I've always been really intrigued by this because you always read how there's like connection issues when you do have these things, right? Like they talk about like rich parents and like those things where they have other people take care of them. Have you Mm. ever, how do you make sure that you still have time to connect with, with your daughters? Because I think that that's an Mm. important thing that a lot of people don't understand. And I think that there can be a lot of like, and you see it within adults when we're growing up, whether we are 26 through 30, like people deal with like traumas and it deals a lot Mm. typically around parents not being there or things like that. So how do you make sure that you keep that time to have them like to connect with? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question, Anthony. Um, Truthfully, it is, it's such a balancing act and I'm lucky enough where I work from home. I get Mm -hmm. to work from home and I had my first daughter Sloan. She was home with me the whole first year of her life. I was like, I, I, I truly thought that when she was born that I would just be able to do it all, that I'd be able to like run the businesses and just like be full-time stay-at-home mom and full-time CEO entrepreneur. And like it, it did not go well. Could I do it? Yeah. But I was burnt out on everything. Like I was burnt mm-hmm. out on my work. I was burnt out as a mom, burnt out at, in everything. And you know, when you reach that level of fatigue, which I'm sure you have at some point in like your career or in bodybuilding, when you reach that level of fatigue, you are just shot. You're like, I'm uninspired. I don't want to do anything. I have no creative flow. I am just just trying to survive basically. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be the CEO. That's just trying to survive. I don't want to be the mom that's just trying to survive. And so I need to get these systems in place that will allow me to thrive as a mom and allow me to thrive as a wife and allow me to thrive as a business owner. And so something that I learned early on for me, and I, this, this may not work for everyone, but this is a strategy that really helped me, um, in reference to your question about, you know, making time for, for my girls and being present for them. And what is my, uh, theory concept, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it motto is that when I am in work mode and my girls are with their childcare providers, right? They're either at school or with the nanny. During that time, I am in complete hyper-focused work mode so that when childcare hours end, I am completely 100% in mom mode. I do not allow, and again, I know this won't necessarily work for everyone. That's my disclaimer here, but I completely separate mom life and work life. It will not be that my girls come home from school and I'm working on my laptop and they're like, mommy, 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 play with us. And now they're competing against my work for mommy time that my kids don't see me work. For all I know, they don't even know I work. Um, (laughs) And that's fine with me because I want them to just know when mommy is home and we are home, mommy is present and it is mommy daughter time or daddy daughter time or family time. And so for me, I do my very best to keep those things very separate. When I am in mom mode, I am 100% in mom mode. My laptop's not even out. Um, and when I am in work mode, I am in work mode and I am in my office or in a spot of my house where, you know, the, the, uh, my, little one is not my other ones at school, whatever it is, I do my best to keep them separate because when I'm trying to do both, 
I end up doing a shit job at both because if I'm trying to do something with work, but my kids are there, well, now I'm distracted and like, I'm not really focused and my head's not in it. And if I am in mom mode, but like, I'm trying to get something done for work, like now it's taking away from my kids. And so I don't want either one to suffer. I don't want mom life to suffer. I don't want my kids to suffer. I don't want my business to suffer. And so for me, that means separating those entirely. And so it's almost like I have work hours and mom hours. And obviously I'm a mom 24 seven and I'm a business owner 24 seven. Um, but I really, at this point have designated hours where when I have childcare, that is hyper-focused work mode. And when childcare ends, I am hyper-focused mom mode. Well, I think that's always important. I think that's just like an important lesson for anybody, right? Like when it comes down to any sort of connection, especially when you're working on your own business, it's very difficult, like, because you make your own hours. You don't like, you don't have a specific time when you're at a desk and you get to leave an office, right? Like, right. yeah, you can. I mean, like we both have our offices, right? And I leave this, this is, this is why I've got a two bedroom place is because I'm like, I need a direct office. So I'm not working in yeah. my living room. Cause if I'm working yep. in my living room, there, I'm it's getting just not it. The same. I'm, I'm just going to continue to work. <laughs> and so, yeah. so it's like, I think, having boundaries and being able to set boundaries when you are a business owner is yeah. very important to, I think, actually be more productive with the time because you're just like, if you don't have that boundary of that set time point, you're like, I'll just get to it a little bit later. You'll make that excuse to do that. Oh, yeah. takes away for the present, that present moment. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. There are times where, you know, I put my girls down for bed and if I didn't get something done during the day that needed to get done, they go to sleep and I'm hopping back on my laptop at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, and that's the business ownership part. That's like, yeah, I'd love to be spending that time watching Netflix with my spouse because like that's our wind down time together. But some days there are times where like you have a grinder of a day and you have to hop back on and it's late at night, but I will not do that while it's playtime or dinner time or bath time with my girls. It's like, nope, once they go to bed, then I can break it back out. Or same thing with like a weekend. Generally, I don't work that much on the weekends anymore. If I am going to work and I am going to hop on my computer, it's during nap time exclusively when my girls are down for a nap and not competing for mom time. Oh, see, that was the but best that's thing. Hard. Those boundaries that was, are hard. That was the best boundary I've ever done is I take off all Saturdays now. So I don't work a single yeah. Saturday. I'm just like, nope. I was That's like, great. I have my full-time job. I have my coaching. I was like, I'll just yeah, check in people. Just, when yeah, I can. It's, it's too hard. It's too hard to be working seven days a week like that. I mean, even before I left teaching, um, and we, we maybe chatted about this on, on the first podcast mm -hmm. that we did many years ago, but I had left teaching to take coaching full time. And when I was still a teacher, I was obviously working Monday through Friday as a teacher. And, you know, when you're a teacher, your hours kind of similarly to us, they don't end when like the bell rings and, you know, four o'clock hits, like then you're grading, you're lesson planning, you're calling parents, you're doing all sorts of other work tasks that aren't within your normal work day that you're not getting paid for nonetheless, but sorry for another time. Mm -hmm. Um, and on that note, I'd work Monday through Friday, but then I also had my coaching business on the side and I was like, I don't have time to get to check-ins on Monday through Friday. So I made all of my client check-ins for my entire client roster, Saturdays and Sundays. So now I was working Monday through Friday as a teacher. And then Saturday, Sunday were exclusively client check-ins and programming, AKA I just worked seven days a week and 
I was burned out. We'll, mm. we'll just leave it at that. You know my history. We're like, oh, the gut problems, hormone problems, burnt out, fatigue, PCOS, missing periods. And it's like, oh, it all makes sense now, Joelle, working seven mm. days a week, up at four in the morning, training, fasted, doing all the things. And um, I think I've just learned as the years have gone on that that level of burnout does not serve literally anybody um, and is not like the juice ain't worth the squeeze. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, now that I live, so like I moved up to Ohio, so now I'm, I'm, I'm living around like Mark and all them. And so they're the ones that actually like convinced me to do this because they're like, you're working seven days a week, aren't you? And I was like, I am. And they're like, don't you work from home? And you, you have like a job where you can respond like throughout the week. And I'm like, I do. And they're like, so why don't you just move your check-ins then during the mm-hmm. move most of them during the week and I was like you know what that's a smart idea <laughs> and I yeah. was like yeah like I never thought I could do that and I don't think a lot of people think they they can it's very it's yeah. very situation dependent obviously over mm-hmm. what it is but it's so important to maintain that because now I'm in now I'm in like week 18 of a gut protocol and I'm like ah oh, this is definitely just all from me just continually working and stressing Stress. just way too much yeah. for way too long <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard because when you're a business owner, you're in this weird place where you're like, I make the rules. I'm my own boss. But you're also like, yeah, but I still have to follow those rules and like create a schedule for myself because and it's it's just yeah, it's it's so hard to have boundaries with work when you're the business owner and to go even from like teaching where I was ultra regimented, like I teach at this time, I have a a lunch period at this time. And then I teach again at this time. And then I have to grade at this time. Like you're so structured and you're so regimented. And then to leave that and be, just be free for all work from home on my own schedule. Like that was nice for a few weeks. And then I was like, oh man, like I need to create a schedule for myself. But then I think so many of us are type a in business ownership, because that's how we get shit done. Yeah, And then we get caught in our own, we get stuck in like our own routine and our own schedule that we create for ourselves. when we act as if it's this like set in stone thing that we have to be so, so rigid with. And then we're like, oh yeah, I guess I, I guess I can move a check into a different day. I guess I can make my call on that day instead of that day. Like we forget almost because we get so caught up in the rigidity of having a schedule so that we can get everything done that we need to get done, forgetting that we have flexibility and can allow ourselves to be lenient within that schedule. Yeah. And that that's what kind of brings me back to when you're like, okay, if the kids go down at like seven and I still have work to do, I can mm-hmm. do that. Right. Because you're like, I am the one thing I think a lot of people get to, and this, and this comes down to obviously just us communicating to our own clients and athletes who work with us is the fact that we are human, I think a lot of people think that mm-hmm. we're like robots that just could answer like like that and it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And so I'm like, so like even like we have to put that boundary of like, okay, if you send it close, if the, if you send a message close to when my hours end each day, there's most likely you're going to get a response the next morning. Like if you send it within like 15 minutes yeah. of that last, that last thing, I'm going to try my best to get to it, but I'm going to give myself some grace and be like, okay. I can get back to this the next morning. And I think a lot of people don't yeah. under a lot of people don't understand that in terms of like the human aspect behind why we set things the way we do. Um yeah. yeah. It's funny. We set out um when 2024 hit, I had our coaches 
update their uh, check-in policy, like their late check-in policy. Because I mean, you probably saw this too with like November, December, things get a little wonky. We get like some missed check-ins, some late check-ins because like it's the holidays and people are off from work and they're traveling and their vacation. Like that's all fine and dandy. That's, that's fine, obviously. Um, but I was like, coaches, you guys got to put out these disclaimers because you're stuck in that place of like, well, I want want to do right by the client. And I want to, I want to get back to them as soon as possible. And I want to be really prompt and I want to deliver this quality service. But guess what? If you are burnt out and feeling taken advantage of, and you're resentful because you got late check-ins and then you're just doing them anyway. And you're like, throwing your own check-in policy and your own check-in boundaries out the window so that you can accommodate everyone, you're going to be left feeling resentful. You're going to be left feeling like you're, you're procrastinating check-in responses because you don't want to check in with that client because you're like low-key annoyed that they submitted late or that they missed it or like now they messed up your next day schedule with check-ins. And so I had all of my coaches put out an updated check-in policy for 2024 to remind their clients that like, Hey, this is the policy. This is what you can expect in terms of timing timeliness. If you are late, this is what you can expect. If you miss a check-in, this is what you can expect. Because the last thing I want is burnt out coaches who are feeling resentful toward their clients or procrastinating their work. And so I think it's easy for great coaches to want to be so accommodating, which is fantastic. I, I want my coaches to be accommodating, but not at the expense of their own mental health. And exactly. so I think that's important for keep, for coaches to keep in mind. So I wanted to get back to something that you were talking about with, with everything and handling like your first postpartum experience. How did you give yourself, and I think a lot of women may, may struggle with this, giving themselves some like grace period, especially from someone who's been so involved in fitness and health and being in the gym and staying so regimented to a diet. How did you give yourself like grace during that time that it's okay if I don't get into the gym or, or like something of that nature of like your diet, maybe a little bit like in those mm. aspects, because I think some people struggle with that, that phase is like a mom. Um, and being able to kind of understand what they can and what they can't do, especially when they're taking care of a child. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a great question. And it definitely took some figuring out, so to speak, you know, if, if you've, uh, obviously you've never had a baby before, I was going to say, if you've never had a baby before, <laughs> but to our listeners, if you've never had a baby before, maybe you're even expecting your first child, uh, when you're pregnant, you really have no clue. You have no clue what life is going to look like once that baby comes. And I was someone that remained active throughout pregnancy. I continued to train three, four days a week throughout pregnancy, strength training, cardio, et cetera. I remained very active. I had two really great healthy pregnancies and two really great labor and delivery uh, processes. Um, but that first postpartum, I definitely was in this weird identity crisis. I'll mm -hmm. even call it because, uh, those first few weeks postpartum, you don't feel even good enough to work out. So you're saying like, how did you adjust to like having to make those changes postpartum? Like, first of all, I didn't feel yep. like I was ready to train for a few weeks. Um, and, and the further out I got from birth, the more I was like getting excited to get back to the gym. But there were a few weeks where I was like, I don't, I don't even want to train. Like my body is wrecked. I'm on two hours of sleep. Like there, there was an aspect of training that just went away for me 
completely because I didn't feel good enough to train. And then once I started to feel better, once my pelvic floor was recovering more, once my core was recovering more, um, once I was getting a little bit more sleep, things like that, that's when I was able to kind of slowly reintroduce exercise. Um, but postpartum, at least with the first baby, there was this, uh, there were definitely moments of like, who am I? Right. Like I'm not in the gym and I've always been Joelle that goes to the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never been Joelle. That's a mom. I've never been Joelle that doesn't track macros, you know, at least not in a really long time. And so there were a few really big changes. Obviously having a kid is a really big life change, but in reference to fitness and nutrition, there was a lot of like, who am I outside of the gym? Or like, who am I now that I'm a mom? What kind of mom do I want to be? How do I reintroduce fitness, nutrition, exercise to also now having a kid? How do I rework my exercise schedule? When do I work out now that I have a kid? How do I work out now that I have a kid? And so a lot of that was trial and error. Um, I think it started with like, I'm just going to slowly reintroduce exercise. And there's pieces of like pelvic floor rehab and core rehab that have to take post, uh, take place postpartum, um, kind of reconnecting your diaphragm and your breath with your core, your TVA, and then your pelvic floor. Um, and things feel really weird when you first go back to the gym postpartum. It's, it's, it's very hard to describe if you've never been in it, but you feel like everything is disconnected. There's like this disjointed, um, it's weird. Like, you know how your body is one big, just kinetic chain, right? Yep. But postpartum, when your pelvic floor and your core are just kind of wrecked, um, it all feels like you're just discombobulated, like disoriented pieces. You're like, I feel my arms moving, but like they don't feel connected to my body. It's it's a very strange feeling. And it takes a few weeks to come back. Um, and so the reintroduction to exercise was really great for me postpartum. And it grounded me, um, very similarly to work. People are like, Oh, did you, you know, have this maternity leave postpartum? I'm like, not really. I was on my laptop like two days after I gave birth because I own the business and there were things that had to get done. Um, but at the same time there, there were those pieces that were a part of me that were grounding for me postpartum. And so like exercise grounded me. And so not having that, the, those first few weeks postpartum was difficult because you're like, what grounds me if I'm not working and I'm not exercising, what are the things that I still have in my life that make me feel like me? Um, so if you are expecting a child, let's come full circle here. If you're expecting a child, um, soon or your, your first child, um, things are going to feel weird for the first few weeks. They're going to feel not normal for the first few weeks, but eventually you really do find that new normal as cliche as that sounds. Um, and you might have to pivot and adjust. And I think that that's the biggest thing for people to keep in mind is just like if a, if a client came to you, right. For coaching. And they're like, I'm currently sedentary. I don't work out. You're not going to go prescribe them a workout plan. That's seven days a week of training. You're going to be like, Hey, let's maybe start with twice a week and see if we can get consistent with that. And then we can build up from there. If that feels good. And we have the habits and the tools and the framework and the groundwork to be successful with those habits. And then we can build upon them. And so postpartum, it's very similar. You're kind of like slowly adding things back in and then gradually adding back in 
exercise or types of exercise or intensity or frequency or duration of those lifts or those exercise sessions to get to a place where you feel good, your recovery is in a good place, your sleep is in a good place, you're eating enough to fuel recovery, you're eating enough to fuel performance, you're eating enough to fuel milk supply, let's say, if you're breastfeeding. And so there are a lot of moving parts. Um, but I think that having support postpartum is a really, really helpful piece of that. And then just recognizing that things are going to be different postpartum. Um, but you won't always feel like your whole world has been flipped upside down. That feeling does go away. Luckily. Now, uh, if I can ask, how did you get through? I, I want to say your identity crisis. I'm kind of like assuming here also probably dealt with how your body shifted too as yeah. well, right? And your body image. So how to, how or what advice would you kind of give for someone who is mm. all into fitness and their body starts to shift, whether it's even, whether it's through the actual pregnancy itself and then coming out of that too as well, where they're like, okay, I want to get back to where I was mm. like pre-pregnancy and get back to who I was and get back to that body like that I had before I got pregnant. Yeah. It's so hard because women feel, I think, very uncomfortable with the body changes that can happen during pregnancy and, of course, during postpartum. I think people are much more uh, accepting of themselves with the pregnancy changes because you're like, okay, this is this is kind of expected, right? Like, I know that my body is going to change while I'm pregnant. And I think that part is still really hard for some people too. But then postpartum, you it's almost like you've nothing to show for it, right? Like once, if you're pregnant and you're gaining weight and your body is changing, you're like, yeah, but I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. Then when you're postpartum, it's like you just lose all of that self-acceptance and you're like, I have the baby. I had the baby now, but I don't look like I had the baby and I still have this belly or I still have this loose skin or I still have this extra cellulite. And we're so much harder on ourselves postpartum because we feel like now that we're not pregnant anymore, we shouldn't get any of the grace that we got during pregnancy. And it's so not fair to do to yourself. And we forget that it took nine months to grow that child and get to that point, like it's not going to just, you're not going to have that baby and look the same as you did pre-pregnancy within a week or two or three or six or however many. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind here is everyone's postpartum experience is so, so different. There are people, you know, there's going to be changes in your body no matter what, you know, that happened postpartum, there's going to be some people who lose a lot of weight rapidly. There's going to be some people who gain weight postpartum. There's going to be some people who have a lot of trouble getting weight off postpartum. There's going to be a lot of people who lose weight really easily postpartum. And that's not to say anyone is doing anything right or wrong. There are just a lot of changes happening postpartum. And there are a lot of different factors that go into, let's say, postpartum weight loss. And so one thing that I don't, I, I, I like to make it really clear, clear that one, no one should be rushing into physique goals postpartum. Yeah. There are so many other considerations, whether that is milk supply, whether that is recovery, whether that is core and pelvic floor work, whether that is TVA and breath work. Um, there are so many things that need to be taking place postpartum while you also are navigating sleep deprivation to the max, as well as immense stress that you have never been under this type of stress before. Um, and so there are so many 
aspects uh, that have to be considered when it comes to postpartum. And I hate this idea that we have to bounce back. I hate it. I loathe the bounce back culture. And, um, I, you know, if there's one thing that I could say, it's that for the first, I would say like a minimum of six months postpartum, minimum six months. I don't want, I don't want moms even thinking about physique goals postpartum. Now that's not to say that there aren't habits that you can be doing, implementing, uh, you know, there are, you could be taking daily walks. You could be eating your vegetables. I'm not saying that you can't be doing those immediately postpartum or fairly immediately postpartum, but I just mean, we need to not be focused on fat loss and abs and physique bounce back those first few months postpartum. It just, it should not be a priority. Healthy habits. Yes. Physique. No. And if those healthy habits lead to changes in your physique, that's fine. But inherent physique goals postpartum should not be a thing in my opinion and experience. And then how would, what would kind of be like the plan for kind of addressing then like nutrition too, from that, from that side as well. So if someone, so like they're coming back and you want to make sure that you're properly fueling all those things that need to be fueled, fueled, whether it's for the baby or whether it's for you itself. So mm-hmm. how do you, what do you kind of suggest for the, for the person who isn't that in that place coming from, Hey, they just had their baby. What's like a great kind of like, I guess like base, like nutritional strategy in a way that may, that may help them just keep to what that goal is yeah. over, over keeping like a healthy, sustainable body during that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I think that, you know, postpartum, you are extremely tired and you're ex- extremely sleep deprived, uh, at least those first few weeks. And so that's obviously going to affect someone's hunger and satiety cues as well, which we would see even in someone who's not postpartum, mm-hmm. right? We see changes in hunger and satiety and leptin and ghrelin. Um, whether someone is postpartum or not, we see sleep affect those things. We see stress affect those things. And so from a nutrition standpoint, adequate nutrition during pregnancy or postpartum is going to support our health, support our healing, support our recovery. Um, and for a lot of moms also support milk supply. And I think that's something that women can sometimes shoot themselves in the foot because they're like, you're either really stressed or you're really tired, or you're like, maybe you don't have an appetite because you're so stressed or tired. And, um, maybe you're just like, always have a baby on you. And so like prepping a meal for yourself or like heating up food or cooking is not really top priority. And so I think a lot of women can actually act almost accidentally slip into deficits postpartum. Um, and what ends up happening is they take their milk supply and then they're like, Oh, I just never produced enough breast milk. Or like, I just never could get my supply up. Maybe not realizing that they're in a pretty substantial deficit. Um, and so something that there, there's a few kind of key things that I'd keep in mind Mm -hmm. in terms of nutrition considerations, postpartum one, just like if we weren't postpartum, we'd want to keep a pretty wide variety of fruits and veggies and whole grains and lean protein and, uh, healthy fats to make sure that we're getting a, a wide range of nutrients. And that's going to be helpful for postpartum recovery, tissue recovery, uh, managing inflammation, managing bowel health. Um, and it's going to allow us to make sure we're getting enough vitamins and minerals, those micronutrients that will be more readily available for both mom and baby. If we are uh, pumping or breastfeeding. And so 
uh, one nutrition consideration that I think people might not, uh, have kind of at the forefront of their mind is bowel health and digestive health. And I'm sure this is something that you talk about with any of your clients, but there are a lot of digestive and bowel changes that happen during pregnancy because everything's just kind of in a different place than it was to accommodate a growing human yeah. pressing against all yeah. of your organs. And so postpartum, we can kind of experience those digestive changes again. And we know that healthy bowel movements are heavily influenced by our nutrition. And so we want to have a normal sensation to empty the bowels. We want to be able to empty the bowels without any strain. Um, and we want things to feel kind of consistent. Um, and, uh, constipation can be really, really common postpartum. And that could be from hormone changes that could be from dehydration. Um, that could be from reduced physical activity, right? We're not getting that same level of motility. So fiber I think is often an overlooked aspect of postpartum nutrition that I would urge people to keep in mind, um, kind of fiber and adequate hydration are kind of key here. So we know that both of those can be helpful in preventing constipation. And obviously fiber is helpful for, you know, reducing risk of heart disease and diabetes and lower cholesterol. And we know it's great for all of those things. And so encouraging a higher fiber diet postpartum can be really helpful for people, um, as well as adequate hydration, right? This is something that we would talk about with anyone, but especially postpartum and especially in lactating moms. So if someone is breastfeeding or pumping, pumping, they're producing breast milk in any which way. Um, typically what the rule of thumb is, is an additional liter or 33 to 37 fluid ounces or so on top of their usual water consumption. So if you're already consuming 120 fluid ounces, you're already consuming four liters of water. Assume you need that fifth liter, um, for adequate hydration for breast milk production. So I think that's also a really missed piece for a lot of people. Um, especially like postpartum when you're in that kind of newborn haze, like you're just kind of not thinking about, at least in my experience, you're not thinking about like, Oh, let, did I fill up my water today? Or like, let me go make a meal for myself. Like you're so tired and you're just in this kind of haze where like you're tired, you're stressed, you're worried about the baby. You're worried about pumping. You're worried about nap schedules. You're worried about, are they breathing when they're sleeping? Like they're so things that you, it's so easy to just forget about your own basic needs. Like it sounds so simple to be like, Oh, postpartum eat fiber and drink water, but it's actually really, really hard. At least in those first few weeks, it's really, really hard to pay attention to those things because you're so consumed by taking care of this new thing and learning how to be a parent that it's so easy to let those basic needs like sleep and water and hoping it's so easy for those to just kind of go by the wayside and, um, forget that you have to make yourself a priority too. Um, and then the last thing that I would just really, really urge people to pay attention to, and I kind of alluded to this before that fat loss, although is kind of a common postpartum goal for a lot of women, it really should be avoided in those first few months. Um, it's, it's so easy for people to, uh, want to slash calories postpartum, um, kind of similar to an injury, right? Anthony, I'm sure you've had clients who have gotten injured over the years where their first response is like, okay, because I'm going to be less active, let me slash calories. When in reality, that's one of the worst things that we could do for recovery and healing. Like we actually have increased metabolic rates when we have severe injuries because our body takes energy to repair and rebuild and yep. heal. And so we end up slashing calories postpartum when like our body is not recovered because we're like, oh, my body's different. I'm not going to be as active. I'm going to be out of the gym. Let me take calories all the way down. And 
then we have slower recovery. We have worse recovery. We have poorer mental health, poorer bowel movements, which now we have poorer gut health. And then we're also seeing ramifications in terms of milk supply. And so if there's one, one main thing that I would urge people to do, it is to not slash calories down. Um, so not only are adequate calories going to support recovery, energy levels, mental clarity, milk production, um, it's going to allow us to get the nutrients that we need for ourselves, but also those nutrients are going to go into our milk and feed our baby. Um, and our body can't make all of that milk and can't create those nutrients, um, if it is constantly in a deficit, right? So we don't want to put our own body as the mom in a position where our bodies are pulling all of our own vitamin and mineral reserves due to inadequate nutrient consumption, um, so that it can fuel the baby. Because at the end of the day, the body does what it, what it needs to do to provide for the baby. And so you know, very similar to pregnancy, uh, pregnancy, just like between pregnancy and postpartum, you are just nutrient depleted as the mom, because your body's just like, we will take everything from your body, all stored reserves, everything. And we will give it to baby because baby is top priority now. Um, and so it's just really important for moms to be getting enough calories and enough nutrients so that they are not just depleted from giving everything to the baby. And they're actually replenishing those nutrient stores as well. How did you keep up with that when you're like, you were talking about, Hey, it's sometimes difficult to remember. I got to get my water in. I got to get these things in. How do you kind of just guide someone through that to make sure that they are checking mm -hmm. those boxes so that it is a successful postpartum period for them? Yeah. For me, my, my spouse was really helpful in that. So, you know, I, I both postpartum experiences, I mean, Transparently, I have a very, very hard time keeping up with the caloric expenditure of breastfeeding. Um, it, it's 500, 1,000, 1,500 extra calories for some women on top of maintenance. Um, if I am anywhere under 2,500 calories, I'm losing weight. Um, and so that I've never experienced anything like that before. Like I was not the girl who could like reverse diet up to 3000 calories and like maintain her weight. It is so hard. And I know that there are plenty of women that hear that and do not have any sympathy for me. And that is fine, but it is actually really, really hard for me to keep up with the caloric expenditure of breastfeeding. And so both postpartum experiences, I've lost weight really rapidly. Um, and, and it, will take 25 to 2,500 to 3000 calories just for me to maintain my weight. Um, and like I said, I've, I've never experienced anything like that before. I've never had to eat that much in my entire life. Um, and so because I am thrown into the trenches of like motherhood and business ownership, um, I have asked my husband this go around having experienced it the first time. Um, I'm like, I need you to feed me. And I need you to fill my water. Like, because those are things that just, they don't, they're, they're just harder for me now. And I know that that sounds so silly, um, to be like, for me to drink water. Like it's hard for me to get a meal in, but you know, even as a business owner, like you sometimes get thrown into like call after call or meeting after meeting or checking after checking. And you're like, Holy shit, it's four o'clock. And I haven't eaten since breakfast. That's like 10 times that when you're thrown into like parenthood too. And you're like, yeah. let me feed the baby. Let me do this. Let me focus on the nap schedule. Let me get this one fed. Let me get this one's diaper changed. It just, those hours extend between like taking a sip of water or drinking a meal. And so this postpartum experience, I had said to my husband, I'm like, 
I need you to feed me. And I need you to just like, wherever, whenever you see my water bottle, please go fill it up, throw an element in it and stick it next to me. Like just where you see my water bottle in the house, come bring it up to my office. If I'm in my office, you're making lunch for yourself. Do me a favor, make me something too. Uh, like you're making breakfast, but I'm out with the girls or something. Just like have something prepped and ready for me when I come home, because whatever I could do or whatever someone else could do to like lower the barrier for me to like getting that, like if I have to first now sit down and cook a meal for myself, like it's not going to happen. I'd rather just like grab a quick protein shake, which is, you know, helpful, but not a meal and not enough calories for me. And so that again, kind of comes down to that support system. Um, I think a lot of dads are like, well, what can I do? How can I help? I don't have the boobs, you know, I can't feed the baby. And it's like, if you can't tend to the baby, tend to your spouse, that is so freaking helpful. Um, and that's been a game changer for me. This go around is my husband being like, Hey, filled your water for you. Hey, brought you up some lunch. Like he'll see me working and like, just bring me up a meal. And I'm like, Oh, bless you. Thank, thank you. I've been in back-to-back calls all day and just like brought me up a meal. Great. That lowered the barrier for me. And like one, I feel cared about by my spouse. And two, now I was able to get that meal in without stressing or without being like, okay, let me just do one more thing. Okay. Well, let me just do one more thing. Um, let me get one more work test done and, and then I'll go eat. Um, so kind of having my, my husband help with that was a really big piece for me. Um, and so that, that has been a piece of it and just kind of being more aware of it this time. Like, I think the first postpartum, I didn't even like realize it was happening until I was like, oh, wow, I'm like really down a lot of weight and, you know, things like that. And this postpartum experience, very interestingly, my milk supply has been so much more sensitive to that. Like if I did not eat enough yesterday, I would see a direct impact on like my milk supply today. And so I didn't, I don't know if I didn't notice it last time or it just wasn't as my body wasn't as sensitive to that last time. I'm not sure which one of those it is, but Mm. this go around, I'm visually seeing in like my baby's hunger or when I pump, like I'm seeing a difference in supply when I didn't hydrate or eat enough the day before. And I think that's been helpful for me because you're not just like, okay, it doesn't matter that you weren't hungry. Your baby isn't going to get their nutrients now if you don't take care of yourself. And that I think has been really eye opening for me. It's, it's like, it's like with anything, when anybody tries to get better at something or like, whether it's like a prep, like this time they have the second time they go around, they have the awareness over what's going to happen. Most likely at this stage of the prep, like they have, like, they kind of have like baselines to kind of go off of. So now you're just more aware, right? right? Overall. And then you were able to, since you were more aware, you were able to communicate that over to your husband that you need it, what you need it which is essential yes. in any sort of relationship whatsoever is communication. Communication is obviously right. the key to anything. So it's just like, that's something that's just big when it comes down yeah. to this, it seems like. Yeah. I feel like coming, uh, coming into the second postpartum experience, I was a lot more prepared uh, for just like what life would look like, especially those first few weeks or months and like what I was going to need in terms of support. Um, you're at the disadvantage when you have your first baby, cause you just don't know yet. Um, uh, by the time you get to the the next one, you're like, okay, I know, I know what I'm going to need, or I have at least a good idea of what I'm going to need to, um, take care of myself this go around. I got two more questions. My first, my first yeah. one is what's been your favorite part about being a mom? Oh man, that's so hard. So many things, so many things. Um, I love being a mom. I 
love, absolutely love being a mom. And for as hard as it is, your hardest day ever and your hardest moments are still a hundred times better than when I didn't have babies and then when I wasn't a mom. And so, um, favorite parts. Okay. Um, in general, like just seeing your babies laugh is the best thing in the world. Like seeing them laugh and smile, something that's been really, really cool. This go around with having two now, uh, they're like starting to get to ages now where like with each other and they want to sit with each other and like, they'll make each other laugh. Um, and man, seeing just like these two beings that you made, like, I'm like, I made these things with my body. <laughs> I made these with my organs and now they're communicating and they're laughing at each other. And like, oh man, it, it just, it's such a, a, a different kind of joy. And people will try to be like, oh, I, I have dogs. I get it. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like, I love my dog too. But like the fact that you and your, your significant other created these with your body and like, they are your soul just walking outside of your body. And it is just the most wild thing. Um, I just absolutely love being a mom and, and, uh, seeing them together is really, really cool seeing their personalities develop, seeing like what traits they pick up from me versus my husband, like what they're good at, their, their memories, their like traits, their characteristics and what pieces of them came from who and like watching them just become their own person is just so freaking cool. Um, I love almost all of it, honestly. So it's a really hard question. Um, but it's, it's, it's really cool. And it's, um, it's unlike any other love you could possibly imagine. See, I get the fun. I get the Funko position. So now I, I, get, <laughs> I get three of them. Yep. But I don't need to worry about all of it. So like, yeah, I just, you get to give them back. Y- yeah, exactly. So it's just like it's 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 pretty dope to just see them like. As much as I'm like away from them, they still know who I am. So if I'm on Facetime with my mom. They'll be because my mom takes care of my sister's kids right now. Okay. Um, and they're always like, and the one who could talk Uncle who's Anthony. now two is just like Uncle Tony. Like Uncle anybody, Tony. anybody's baby calls me Uncle Tony. And so it's just I like love that. Well, well, I guess I'm Uncle Tony now. So 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 like she'll always be like yelling into my mom. My mom's like talking on like her Apple Watch to me or her phone or FaceTiming. <laughs> she'll like yell that out, and that's what you'll hear. Uncle Tony. See, my that's favorite part great. is seeing who looks like who. We always, oh, yeah. we, always have the, we always have, we always like, we're like, that's your twin. Like my niece, my first niece is my sister's exact twin. And I'm like, oh boy. I was like, we got a second one. <laughs> and then, so, it's, cause it's like <clears throat> my mom, my sister is my mom's twin. And so my okay. sister now has a twin of her. So it's like, it just continues down this Looks like, like your tree mom. Yeah. of them all this, yep. like looking the same and having like the same facial expressions and things. And I'm like. Oh, I'm like, dude, and, this breaks and back genetics, are, genetics are so wild. Like my girls, uh, what my first daughter, she is like tan, olive Italian skin, brown hair, brown eyes, dark features. Second baby, Irish looking little lady, <laughs> Irish, fair skin, blue eyes, red hair. I'm like, what in the heck? And so it's just so weird to even see how different like your own two kids can be. Like they're both 50-50 mom and dad, but like look so different. It's it's just so weird. Yeah, genetics are wild. And so my last question, um, so this podcast, 
obviously, as I brought to you before, it it's talking about the noble pursuit or the the most noble pursuit in life is to become the best version of you possible. Mm. This could deal with being a mom. This could deal with not being a mom. But what is your number one advice for to help someone on their most noble pursuit to become the best version of themselves? Mm. That's a really good question. I think something that I am learning in my own noble pursuit is that it's really, really awesome to want to strive to be better. Um, but you don't want to along the way, forget to be where your feet are. And that's something that I've been really trying to focus on, uh, in motherhood these days. Um, and just in life these days is that we work really hard, right? You, you, myself, any business owner, any parent, we work really damn hard and it's so easy to fall into this, um, trap, so to speak of wanting to be better and wanting the next best thing that we sometimes stop to, we forget to stop and recognize where we are and be present in the moment because we're constantly chasing the next thing, um, or how to be better. And I'm all for that pursuit and that chase of wanting to be better and wanting to improve. But my biggest piece of advice would be to also be where your feet are. Um, and, and at the end of the day, that means being present, um, regardless of that continued pursuit, it can be both. You can want more and you can want to be better while also being where you're and being present. Where it comes down to her schedule. You see how she works and then she has time off. That's, that's it right there. That's what, that's what helps you balance that's it. it that off. presence, that presence is everything. Yeah. So where can people um, find you if they want to reach out to you for anything, any questions, or they just want to follow you? Where can people find you? Yeah, of course. I am mostly on the gram these days. Uh, so you can find me at Joelle Samantha. Uh, if you did listen in, please shoot me a DM. I love to hear when people get to listen in uh, to a podcast that I was on. If any of this resonated with you, please let me know. Um, I am happy to be your mom friend from across the states or the world or wherever you are. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope that this was helpful for some of our listeners. And um, please shoot me a DM if you did get to listen in and enjoyed it. If if you guys did enjoy this episode, you guys can go and tag Joelle and myself on your Instagram story, share this episode with someone. Most likely there's a mom that will learn something from this episode or a soon-to-be mm. mom will learn from this episode. So please go and share if you have someone that you think would benefit from it. As you guys know, you can support your boy at morphogenutrition.com using code SPADA for 10% off all supplements. And if you guys did enjoy this episode, I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review. Um, it's on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. You can find us everywhere at the Noble Pursuit Podcast. So... Thank you guys for listening, and I will catch you guys on the next episode of the Noble Pursuit Podcast, and you just took one step further to becoming the best version of yourself possible. Thank you.